Right, morning everyone. It's the 21st of uh, February. Got it right today, Cam? Right on. Morning, Cam. Good morning. And our guest, Paul. Morning. No, not guest, teammate and teammate guest. Teammate and guest. Come out to the office for the first time, back to his old hunting ground. Yeah, absolutely. And you haven't been chased away Back in yet. the hood. Yeah, back in the hood. It's nice. Which is... Probably still good. Yeah, well, yeah, we need it. It's early. We come in early, especially for Paul today. Well, it's early. It's early. So what are we going to talk about today, guys? That's a good question. <laughs> You're so useless. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. The bounce back, straight back to ground. Yeah. Well, but he wanted the grenade. He's gone. Yeah, I'm juggling it. Um, well, look, Paul is here because he's our latest member of the team. And uh, the reason Paul has joined us because he has a huge passion for, amongst many things that can be discussed and not discussed, um, <laughs> human potential. That's what we're we calling it that at the moment, human potential. Oh, look, I, I guess so, because every time I start talking about this stuff, I think, well, what's the label? Because I don't like mentoring and coaching and, and stuff. It's wanky words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love discussions about what people can do to thrive. Ooh. Ooh. We like that. There we go. So, grenade is, is music. Yeah. To thrive. So, so that's the good segue, because that's why you've joined WG, is to on a couple of reasons, is to help the WG team thrive. Because what we've realized, I mean, we've been friends for years and years and years now. We realized that the right people on the bus is not just, uh, it's not easy, actually. And when they're on the bus, you've still got to help them thrive. Oh, look, yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Getting, you know, everyone, you, know, you read, you know, you read um, Jim Collins, you know, good to great. And it's all about getting the right people on the bus. So we pick up on that and think, oh, cool. But when you start stripping it down, it's like, well, what does that mean? First and foremost, how do you how do you define what's the right sort of person for your bus? And then, as you say, once they're there, what do you do with them? But also, I mean, if you think about it, I know from my experience, having the right bus, without being corny, but for the longest time, and we, we've discussed this at level, there was one time that I didn't even know what, what bus I wanted, let alone the people on it, which if you've got the, the wrong bus and the wrong people... Then you're yeah, fucked. Yeah, and, and, and <laughs> that's right. I think that's a technical that's not, that's phrase. Not, it's not going to be a good drive. No. Um, and to me, you know, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, the, the, what used to be the right bus even 20 years ago is not the right bus now. And, and by that, you can take that as a, as a, as a metaphor for, you know, what, what structure should our business look like? What, what people do we need? What do we need to outsource? And we're, we're debating all this stuff now within, within this business, but... People still think from an industrial economy perspective in terms of what their bus should look like. Yeah. You know, scale means bums on seats. It means revenue generated this way. It means work done this way. Um, and I, honestly, I think most of that's rubbish. Yeah. Um, I mean, one for, of the, where, for where we are moving in the world. One of the biggest insights we got when we caught up pre Christmas was you had, I can't remember exactly what question you asked, but it was about understanding. Um, what outcomes each of us within the business wanted. Yeah. Um, and whether that be remuneration or uh, environment or professional development, whatever you want to label. And what was interesting is really quickly, all three of us had very, oh, four of us, sorry, including Amy, had very different outcomes. Once we asked the question and said, well, what do you want from this journey now? Because it might change. 
and they were really different, but it was also really enlightening to actually hear that out loud and ask. I kind of I wish I remember the question you asked specifically because it really got us all on the same yeah. page by not being on the same page. Because people generally go, well, uh, I want to earn a hundred thousand dollars, or I want to pay rise every year, or blah, blah blah. Like they're all conventional things, aren't they? Well, they're all typically conventional and they're all typically material. Yes. Um, and so the the stuff that floats around in between the material is actually, I think, the stuff that matters, because that's what drives us. Mm. Um, and, and it's realising that it is, that the answer to that question is different for every single one of us, but you can take all of those different desires or interests and amalgamate them into one whole. Whereas if you look at an old style of bus, i.e. an old style of doing business, that didn't work because you had a hierarchical system that just said, well, here's our outcomes, Get on with it. I'm the boss. You're the next down in the layer. You're next down in the layer. And I, life's very quickly moving away from that. Mm. You know, I've been doing some reading on on these, you know, these democratic structures as opposed to these hierarchical structures mm. and the uplift and efficiency and stuff you get out of, out of your system, uh, which should be no surprise to us. You know, a hierarchical system is not a natural system. So, but that's not talking about removing accountability, though, is it? It's actually about more accountability. It's actually about more. Um, you know, we, we struggle with this accountability thing in, in our business systems because we don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to have a calm, compassionate, rational discussion and at the same time hold people fiercely accountable to boundaries and, and, to, and to structures within business. We, we align things going wrong in business with personalities, we align it with um, mistakes and finger pointing and politics and backstabbing, where what we don't do well is to say, hey, this is our structure, we are always gonna treat each other kindly, but we are going to hold ourselves fiercely accountable for the, uh, for the, for the production, the output of what we do. Yeah. And, I, and that comes back, I mean, we, we're, um, tomorrow night, I'm Gazelles, which is the coaching company for uh, that Vern Harnish started from the book Scaling Up. And it was interesting, I started studying it, studying it very heavily mid to end of last year. And it's incredible how when you find a, uh, a platform or a process that works for your business, how powerful it can be because I'm kind of going into that session tomorrow with this coach going, well, having lived and breathed the plan and what you've put in place for five, six months, you go, well, here's the outcomes. So having a plan that worked, but at the same time, we changed our environment, we had a change of staff, we brought new people on. So we changed a lot, which ordinarily you go, oh, it creates chaos. But it didn't actually, because the plan of attack was there, it was tight, it was in line with what we wanted to do. So now it shouldn't be any surprise that the things we wanted to happen, like we were joking this week about something, I said to Cam, I said, well, we can't be shocked and we can't be annoyed and we can't be upset because we chose for this to happen. And now right. it's happening. We've got to get on with it. But what it does is it brings up things that you go, well, oh, okay, so now we've done it. We have to solve something else because we didn't anticipate it coming. It's still on plan, but we, you know, our workflow, how do we solve that? Is it technology? Is it people? Is it time? Is it leadership? Is it, you know, what is it? But having this iterative method on top of a plan works for us it's not perfect but it really works for us oh absolutely and you know the big one of the biggest mistakes businesses make is either 
never writing a plan or they write a plan, again, based on 20-year-old thinking around what your plan should look like. A plan is, is, is simply, you know, what is it? It's, it's a roadmap against which you apply and test whether you're on the right track or not. Um, and it's going to change daily because that's life. And we should actually be embracing the fact that our plan gets challenged daily and tested daily and modified daily because as soon as we have something static, like a let's take you know a five year strategic plan that businesses love writing, yeah. um, the moment you you have something that you think is going to be immovable against you know the human condition or, or life or outside circumstances. You're on a road to disaster. Yeah. Because you've stopped adapting. Ah, yeah, of course. Because stopped. by definition, you've chosen not to adapt. You're not, you're not adapting, you're not changing, so therefore, by definition, you're not growing. Of course, yeah. Because people, like I saw something yesterday on um, a certain media-led email newsletter, and it was interesting that the first line was, um, XYZ is seeing significant revenue growth. And it reminded me of something we were talking about the other day. It was like... Who cares if their revenue is growing if they're not making any money? That's right. Who cares? Why, why are we using a vanity figure in the media, yeah. which is actually driven by vanity and not actually Driven outcomes. by vanity, probably manipulated to look good, doesn't answer the question of what the actual value of the business is. Is, yeah. it, is that vast revenue growth turning a dollar? Is, yeah. it, is, it, is it bringing home $100 yeah. to, the, to, the, to the owners? Is it making people happy? Yeah, you know, ask them, ask them actually. No, no, they weren't about happiness or any of that, Paul. It was really a bite sized hate. I think we could call it clickbait. Yeah. Oh, but how much clickbait are people using in their own business? So, revenue, 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 revenue. Oh, constantly, constantly. People are, it's that classic story of, you know, the guy who was selling pumpkins and he was moving truckload after truckload What's of pumpkins. What's that story? Oh, you know, there's this, oh, there was that, so, you know, there's that thing about, where it came from, you know, that someone, you know, selling truckload after truckload of pumpkins, but then he was complaining to a friend that he wasn't making any money. He said, oh, but, I've, but my growth, my, my sales growth is going through the roof. I've, I've tripled what I was doing two months ago, and it's still growing, and I keep moving more and more pumpkins, but I'm not making any money. And his mate's like, well, that doesn't make any sense. We should, you know, have a look at what your business plan and everything is, what are you doing? He says, so just tell me, you know, briefly, you know, what are you what are you what are you buying pumpkins in for? She says, oh, I'm buying them for a dollar each. She says, What are you selling them for? She says, I'm selling them for a dollar each. <laughs> and he goes, I think we found a problem. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> That's but, amazing. But you know, people just get again, I think I liked your term, it's a, it is a vanity figure, you know, the size of my business. Um I'm, 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 I, but I've seen dozens of businesses that at say ten or twenty million gave a really good return to the shareholders. Mm. And you know, and they want growth, they want the vanity of I want a fifty million dollar business. And when they get fifty million dollars, they've shaved seventy five percent off their off their net profit. Uh, yeah. because of this, because of scale. Yeah, because yeah, of yeah. size and complexity and what was a business they could run perfectly as owner operators. Yeah. Can't run when it, when they've doubled the size, so and they then they blow it. So that growth and adaptation are really critical because what the per, the, the owner operator adapting to the new kind of business. So going referencing back to the people on the bus is that getting the right people on the bus actually is 
only step one because once they're under bus, how do those people evolve with the journey? Like we were talking to Chris Simmons from Nine Spokes, and they said in 12 months they went from seven people to 115. Okay. And he said categorically, and this is not disparaging of the people, the people on day one weren't necessarily the people for day, well, day three, six, six, because the business from at seven to 115 was different. And some of those people weren't made for a 115 people business. They were made for a seven oh, people look, business. Absolutely. Which is kind of interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But the first step is getting the business owners to understand the difference between the seven-person business and the 115-person business and what that means for them. I think yeah. the biggest educational oh, yeah. thing is in the mind shift of the owners and the willingness of the owners to adapt. Because if, again, you they can get people in to, to write business plans for them and talk about the stuff, but unless they really realise it and own it, then when you are when they are 115, they've got the wrong people, they've got the wrong strategies, they've got the wrong thinking themselves, which is the fundamental problem. So therefore, very quickly, they have the wrong culture. Yeah. And so all of that leads to a massive decline in net profit because yeah. it's all being lost in the, the complexity of them not knowing how to run or give up control of a much, much bigger business. I mean, that's something we're seeing a lot of recently, the conversations we're having. People are becoming more and more mindful of culture and what the business stands for. Like, literally, kind of almost every day, we're having, whether it be with current clients or you know, new opportunities that come our way, culture and actually what the business purpose is is, is top of the game. And people are... Um, uh, unsure that they, they know it's important they know it's something they've got to do but they, they're not quite sure where to start or, or what some of the fundamentals are I mean you yeah. know and so uh, it's clearly an issue yeah look it has and it's been you know talk about culture and stuff has been floating around management um, circles and there's lots of books about it for a long time but it's been a very cynical look at culture it's like the cynical way that companies today treat sustainability <laughs> they, you know they're good but they're good bylines these are new terms and new buzzwords and you know we have the, the Japanese term I can't remember for continuous improvement oh, Kaizen. Kaizen and everyone goes oh my god that's just like the biggest revelation and I just look at it and I go are you all stupid because it's just nature yeah. you know continuous improvement is just what nature does yeah. so you know should be a given should be a given you know it's not it's not like a new management technique it's just a fundamental of, of human nature but anyway, and and that do doesn't that. sell books, Paul. No, it doesn't sell books. Um, and we've done that with culture, but I think we're starting to have genuine conversations about culture. And culture and, and, and the stuff I love, and you know, human potential, let's find a better term, but let's call it that, they're all related. Because the culture of, of a business, of a private business, which is m most of the space that we work in, is just a reflection of the owners. But they don't understand that. Yeah, yeah. They don't, don't understand the influence they have on that living, breathing organism called their, their business. And so we, we put the sort of artificiality around the business must have a culture, da, 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 da. But it's just what that collective group of humans, how they treat each other, think about each other, look after their customers, etc. that defines the culture. So you think some of this stuff's over-prescribed? Uh, chronically over-prescribed. Um, and you get a whole bunch of consultants drifting in in their badly fitting suits to talk about it and put things in place 
that are actually a nonsense because what needed to be ha happen is you need to sit down with the owners and have some genuine conversations about who they are, what they do, what they feel, all these things that don't seem to fit with the, with the business environment to understand what help they need to lift their game so their business flows with them. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and we've seen a lot of that. Like for us, when we look at growth, we sort of say, well, if you grow, your business grows. Whereas a lot of people talk about growing my business first, which is actually an outcome of you Well, I've, I've talked to people that we know, you know, I've worked with people that you and I know, and I've said to them, you know, you won't understand what I'm about to say yet, but you will during the, pro the course of our discussion. Yeah. Um, about what's actually important. I've, I've done a lot of work with a lot of business owners. I've never once looked at their business. I've never no, once looked at their no. bottom line. I haven't looked at their profit. I haven't looked at their GP. I haven't said, well, if you, if you slash this person here and save some operational costs there, I don't care. Mm. Why? Because I know an absolute fundamental truth, which is if we can get their thinking as human beings more expansive, their business growth will automatically follow. And I've seen it on 100% of cases. If I, if, if I say I egotistically, if, a, if the owner's thinking can expand, their business expands. If the owners are resistant to their thinking expanding, then their business will not change. Is this the, the whole breaking through the, the glass ceilings type stuff that the Stuff you think about that stops you, you know. Yeah, those, those, yeah, all those limitations. Grant and I were talking about this on email the other day, and and that's all a, a, an egocentric view of the world. The things that actually hold us back are hardwired within us. You know, they're hardwired from the age of six, which is is how we view the world, where we think our place is, um, and you know what our belief structures are. So, and these are very deeply embedded and not things that we that sit consciously on the tip of our tongue. So we, we don't think about them as limiting factors. We just think, well, these are the things that define me. And we like that as human beings because it gives us the structure within, within which to work. I'm, you know, I belong to, I hate these words, you know, who's your tribe and stuff because it, it automatically defines you. What's your name? Automatically yeah. means... When you look at people from other tribes, whether that's business or religion or sexuality or whatever, we're going to make judgments about them. So all this marketing crap from people about know your tribe, I just think, you don't even know what you're talking about. But, but all, all those things pander to our ego because it's our ego that says, I'm this sort of person, I can do this. Uh, it defines our belief structures. It's also the thing that holds us back because we can have big ideas about growth and we can have big ideas about what we want to do big ideas because that's what that's what, you know the wonderful benefit of being a human we, we can think we can imagine we can we can translate those dreams into reality but we won't if our ego blocks us and, and when you talk about the glass ceiling and that fear of change and and fear of things that's actually us self-sabotaging ourselves because if we can't expand our belief structure about what we can achieve and what we do and who we are as humans and what it means to be a human, then nothing will change because we can't outgrow our belief structure. We can't, we can't have a belief structure that says I'm worthy of, my business is worthy of being a $3 million business, but hold on to a business plan or a dream 
that says I want a hundred million dollar business. Because unless you can connect your belief structure to what you what you want to grow into, it's just a dream. It's just a it's a, it's a it's a hollow thought process with no energy behind it. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Paul has gone silent again. Oh, okay, but yeah, that was nice. No, of course, you know, I've read a lot of books in, in this sort of space, but it, um, you've distilled it really nicely. Yeah, look, that, don't look, play to his ego. He's just explained uh, how no, this no, works no, to you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, books, you know, there's a lot of truth in a lot of books, but a lot of them miss the point about these fundamentals. And they miss the point because they don't go into a, the really interesting space, which is how our belief structure works, consciousness, subconsciousness, the, 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 the balance between intellect, our thought processes, and our behaviours, which is a, a feeling process, and how those two interrelate. And we've spent thousands of years, certainly since the Greeks, if not earlier, focusing on knowledge. We push, 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 push. Knowledge is everything. Gain more knowledge. Get an MBA. Do this, do that. These things are all going to help your business. And the answer is it's all a load of crap. It's not going to help you at all. It's just going to confuse you because you end up with this, this locked in our heads, you know, and no relatable sort of pathway back into our consciousness, the, the collective energy that runs through the universe and a whole bunch of stuff people don't want to talk about. And you're certainly not going to read in a book unless you're going to read a book about meditation or you know, something that the Dalai Lama has, has written. And, of course, most business people think, well, that's, I'm a hard-ass business person. That's like crap. That's never going to help me. So they never go looking in that direction. Um, so, yeah, you can read lots of books, but you actually have to experience the stuff as a human to go, oh, my God, that's the connection. That's how this stuff works. So, you know, your question about the glass, you know, you have to see it. You have to feel it. You have to feel the fear of, resisting change but you need to be able to diagnose it because we as humans we have this wonderful ability to cover all this stuff up and 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 dress it up as something else but unless you can actually experience what you know these feelings of fear and resistance to change and understand the process to get through it um read as many books as you like have a whole bookshelf full of this crap and guru this and guru that and management this and management that, not going to make a damn bit of difference because that's actually, that's a very superficial way of looking at a very deep-seated process within the human psyche, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that is, that is the introduction of Paul's Awakened Giants, really. That's people what you've got to look forward to. So yeah, so that, that's, the, <laughs> that's the space that I, that's the space that I find fascinating because it's a synthesis of, of life, um, quantum mechanics, spirituality, practical, you know, hands-on taking action, um, components of religion. Everything plays into this, into this space, and they all are actually, from their own separate viewpoints, talking about the same thing, which is, you know, the fundamental question. What is the energy source, or what is the... What is the, what drives a human being? Which is the same question as actually, what drives the universe? 
know, what drives a planetary system because it's an inter interconnected process. Uh, and I just, it's an endlessly fascinating space to work in, but there is huge practical benefit in, in those sorts of inquiries when it comes to people growing their businesses and growing their businesses in really strong, genuinely sustainable ways, but also ways that make them genuinely fulfilled as a human being. Um, so yeah, that's, a, that's my view. Awesome. There you go. Don't really need to say any more. So that was... Uh, is, that, is that enough of a grenade? Yeah, I think I think you caught the grenade, <laughs> chewed it up and threw it back. So that's fine, which is kind of what I'm used to here after all these years, which, yeah. is, which is why you're here. So uh, that's uh, 21st, Feb. Um, bar's pretty high for tomorrow now, Cam. I think you're going to have to sing and dance or something tomorrow just to try and... Might have to be a bit of video going on. Yeah. Mankini, anyone? Yeah. Anyone? You are looking pretty, so you should be fine. Give, give me a mug. Right. Wednesday, we're out. Right. Done.